So I too want to just add my sense of gratitude and share the celebration of the 4th of July with you. We are so blessed, so gifted, so called to use our freedom rightly. And I think that begins with, first of all, acknowledging our freedom in Christ. So on this holiday weekend, I just join you in gratitude. I want to share with you a couple of things. As it is now the beginning of July, we are moving into a new sermon series called Table Talk. You know, scripturally, so much happens around the table more than just eating. There's so much that God wants to teach us and so much that we have to learn. And those life lessons often happen at the table. That spiritual growth, the symbolism of that spiritual, inner spiritual life often shows up at the table. So we're going to spend the next few weeks together going through different um, opportunities to share the table with different characters in the scripture. So I'm really looking forward to that. One of the other things we're doing during this time and, and part of that theme is we're starting a series on July 12th called Sunday Dinner, Socially Distant Conversations at the Table. And what we're going to do and what we've begun to do, the staff and I, we have called together different people from the church, from the community, even beyond, and we are seeking to have a dinner conversation with them that is pre-recorded about a relevant topic. What we're seeking to do is have a healthy, biblically-based conversation with them about a relevant topic. And so over the next several weeks, again, beginning July 12th, we'll be doing that. And the format will be something like this. These conversations will be 15 to 20 minutes pre-recorded, and they will show up on our website, on Realm, and on Facebook at 12 noon, Sunday dinner. But you will have the opportunity to watch these conversations, these, this um, socially distant conversation, all day long. It will stay up on our website and other social media from noon until 6.30. And then at 6.30, we're going to have an open Zoom meeting with the family. We're going to do the dishes, so to speak, to carry on the theme. We're going to have this conversation at the table. We're going to invite you to be a part of that by listening to the recording and then invite all of us together to have that conversation kind of after supper, after dinner. So please make note of that. We will begin this again the 12th. Uh, you can watch it all day at your own leisure on Sunday beginning at noon, and then the conversation will be at 6.30 that night. And you'll get all that information, including who we're going to interview the upcoming Sunday and what the topic is um, each week. So be on the lookout for that. Now we're going to turn to our scripture today. We're going to begin this uh, table talk time with Abram and Sarai here at the beginning of their story as they have... Um, at the very start of the covenant. So here is Genesis chapter 18. Hear the word of the Lord. The Lord appeared to Abram by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. He looked up and saw three men standing near him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent to meet them. And he bowed to the ground and he said, My Lord, if you find favor here, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Let me bring a little bread that you may refresh yourselves. And after that, you may pass on since you have come to your servant. So they said, do as you have said. And Abram hastened to the tent to Sarah and said to her, Make ready quickly three measures of the choice flour, knead it, and make cakes. 
Then Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to his servant to hasten to prepare it. And then he took curds and milk and the calf and all that he had prepared and set it before them. He stood by them under the tree while they ate. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious God, we are gathering around your table today to learn what it is you would have to teach us. We gather with Abram and Sarah and three strangers, knowing, God, that you will reveal yourself to us just as you did them. It's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. So every year at the end of June, the Coppage Henleys get together with about three other couples. We spend almost a week together. We've been with this group since seminary, so more than 25 years. Four couples getting together, and seven of the eight of us are clergy. So you know that's a party all the time, right? Seven of the eight of us are clergy. Between all of us, we've served probably more than 15 churches. Between all of us, we have 11 kids, four now that are in college. Between all of us, there's only been one divorce, but we've worked through that together. One couple exited, another couple came in. But by and large, we've been gathering together, and the best part of our time together is being able to sit around the table, to sit around and catch up and visit and and share and think and, and recall some of the gory days that we've had together. And the children make time together, and it's just this wonderful, wonderful time, and and. As I said, the meaningful parts for us are around the table. Three meals a day, more or less. The kids have started fixing dinner. The early birds share coffee on the table. I mean, again and again, this table fellowship has become so important. Now, if you follow the United Methodist calendar year, you know that I'm really talking about annual conference. That happens at the end of June, and that's the opportunity for the clergy couples to get together with their families. And and while I think all that business is important, what I really miss this year was being with friends around the table, catching up, having fun, sharing life. You know, so much happens around the table. You understand. You, You too, just like us, have things postponed. You're not seeing your friends. We're not all going out. We don't have that fellowship. And I, for one, think it's desperately missed. Even the most introverted among us, surely, is missing that that table time. Yesterday was the 4th of July, of course, and typically we might have had a picnic or a cookout or, or some sort of celebration, but we didn't do that this year. It wouldn't be smart. Wouldn't have been smart. We have to keep our distance, even from those we love so dearly and want to share time with and share a meal with and and just have fun. On the other side of having to adjust because of COVID and and changing our habits because of coming around the table and sharing a meal, one of the things that has been such a blessing for our family and maybe yours has been the fact that the kids and Jonathan and I have had more time together at the table. Owen's home from college since maybe mid-March, and so he didn't have anywhere else to go, so we all just stick around and share dinner together, and it's been such a blessing. You know, we haven't had that time together since he learned to drive or had basketball practice or rugby practice. or There was always something else to do. We made efforts. Of course, it is so important for families to eat together. But up until this most recent time, we were going in so many different directions. 
And it's been a gift to sit around the table together. And, and it all just comes down to the fact that eating is part of human relationships. Eating is so much more than the meal set to the table. Eating is so much more than just the nutritional value. It's an emotional experience. It can be, hopefully for the better. But in the scriptures, and what we're going to look at over these next few weeks, is that eating is not only physical or emotional. Eating is also a spiritual experience. There are things in our biblical stories that God wants to tell us, wants to share with us, wants to model for us as people gather around the table. It's been that way from Genesis straight through Revelation. So today we started here in Genesis chapter 18 with Abram and Sarah. It's the very beginning of the covenant. The very beginning of God's intentional activity with the people who would eventually be called Israel. And God is, is making his way into Abram and Sarah's life. And I think what's interesting is that we so often remember in this story the part that talks about how old Abram and Sarah are. And how funny, Sarah laughs, remember how funny it is when these strangers will eventually tell the couple that they will have a child. And then that their descendants will be a blessing. The covenant, of course, God made through Israel. But what's happening here, I think, that the covenants that God has made with the Hebrew people that's been extended to the world through Christ began with this meal. Began in this simple gesture, this every day that God uses to have significant meaning. Now, in the Middle East, and certainly with all three of the Middle Eastern religions, whether it's Judaism, Christianity, or Islam, all three have very specific codes of hospitality, very specific understandings of what it means to welcome people, even the stranger. There's a Middle Eastern proverb that says, every stranger is an invited guest. I just think that's beautiful. And anyway, that, that's where we begin today here, of course, in in 18, chapter, chapter 18, verse 1. Now, the reader knows that this is God and two strangers approaching Abram. There's no indication that Abram's aware of this. Abram is simply living into his understanding of, of that code of hospitality, that radical welcome that so many from that area um, seek to offer. So no indication that, that he really knows who it is that's coming to visit him. In fact, they are referred to as, as three men. So here's what's going on. Abram is sitting at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day, and you know that's hot in the Middle East. He's sitting there in the heat of the day when he sees three men standing near him, and he gets up and he runs out to meet them, and he bows to the ground. That's pretty significant. Abram doesn't wait for these men to come any closer. When he sees them in his eyesight, when he sees them and catches them in the area, he gets up, not to ask them what they're doing there or to tell them not to trespass on his property. He gets up and he rushes out and he bows down to meet them. It's huge. What is God telling us about the stranger? What is God showing us about the meaning of radical welcome, radical hospitality? What is it that we can do emotionally, spiritually, even physically to meet another, feed their bodies and their souls? Abraham rushed out to meet him and bows at their feet. And then he says to them, 
Let a little water be brought so that you may wash your feet and rest yourselves. Let me bring a little bread so that you may refresh yourselves. Rest yourselves under this tree. Get out of the heat. It's hot. Come and sit down and just take a break. Your servant is ready to serve you. Your servant is here, he says. Do not pass by for your servant is before you. How beautiful is that? How, again, significant is that? What if we all greeted one another with that understanding of servanthood? With that understanding that, that in that greeting, whether it's stranger, family, friend, foe, even, that in that greeting there is an opportunity to offer ourselves in service of another. That's what the people of God do. That's what this covenant would become about. That's certainly what Jesus came to model to exemplify incarnate. That is what Jesus calls his followers to do as well. Come, sit, refresh yourself, for your servant is before you. You know, one of the things I find so interesting during these COVID days is not only are we not eating with friends and, and gathering in large groups and so forth, not only not having those picnics or, or large gatherings, but one of the things we're doing is we're wondering how it is we're going to greet each other from here on out. I've heard so many people wonder out loud, what should we do when we can't shake hands? What should we do when, when we can't give a hug? What should we do when we can't even pat each other on the back? How is it that we should greet one another? It's a simple question. I think here there might be an answer to that. Whether we do it literally or whether we do it figuratively, what if we approached one another in a spirit of bowing, greeting there are some cultures that already do that, of course. What if we approached each other in a spirit of servanthood, recognizing that this faith of ours, scripturally based, biblically told, is about being called into the service of others, whether we know them or not. Harrison Church is so great at that. The feeding of Sterling Elementary children for months now, and it will continue. The loaves and fishes... The backpacks, when we could do that, when the kids were in school. We make these places for folks to be fed, for needs to be met. And yet a radical welcome goes far beyond the food. It goes into our attitudes and how it is we approach the other. Whoever that other may be, from around here or not. How is it that, that we approach one another with the spirit of servanthood carried on in the everydayness of life. And then, of course, we hear about this feast that Abram and Sarah pre um, present to their guests. Again, they don't know this is God in their midst, and yet they are going to do the really good stuff. They're going to have the really fine china out to entertain these folks. Abram goes to the tent and says to Sarah, go get the choice flour. I like that. Don't bring that coarse, grainy stuff that we use to make our bread every day. Go get the choice flour and make a cake. And then Abram goes into his own herd and he looks for a young calf, tender, is what the text says. He goes into the herd and he, he finds a calf. He fixes some veal for his guests. He has the servant prepare it. And you know, by the way, that this didn't happen overnight. My, I'm guessing that these folks, these three strangers, stayed with Abram and Sarah for a little while to get this feast together. Probably fed them beforehand. But, but the point of the story is they prepare a feast for the stranger. 
They prepare a feast for the other, for those who weren't around here. They, they prepare a feast. It's this attitude that, that we learn, that we experience at the table in Scripture. And it's this attitude, it's, it's this call upon us to go and do likewise. Not only is your servant here, not only will I feed you, I'm going to give you the really good stuff. I'm going to go out of my way and make this a good experience for you. Don't just drive by this, this church on 15008 Harrison uh, Lancaster Highway. Stop in for a while. Right now, of course, not literally, but spiritually, emotionally, figuratively. What is it that we are doing to make that welcome apparent for all? It's so important to who we are. And I know, like I said, now is not the time for the big communal meal. But now is the time to take another look at our roots, to look another with another consideration at the text and tells, it who, tells us who God calls us to be. Here is what it looks like to welcome others. Here is what it looks like to have a posture of servanthood in all that you do. Here is what it looks like, not only for you to offer to the world, but certainly what I have offered for you. This text ends with the fact that Abram is standing off to the sides, standing off to the side under a tree while they eat their feast. And you know it's because he wants to be able to fill their water glass when it's empty or to get them seconds when their plates are empty. You know, we, the people who gather at God's table, as, as we will a few minutes in, at communion, we understand that we no longer stand off to the side only as the servant, but also that in our relationships, we become friends. Biblical scholar N.T. Wright said these words, and I just love them. He said, right before Jesus went to the cross, right before he knew his pending death was hours away, Jesus when he wanted to explain to his disciples what his forthcoming death was all about, he didn't seek to teach them another lesson. Instead, he invited them for a meal. He invited them for a meal in which he knelt before them, Judas, Peter, us, and all the rest, knelt before them, washed their feet, and then gave them something to eat. Extravagant grace, we say. Grace at the table, open to all, welcome to all. This is who we are. Where we go from merely being the servant, as important as that is, to being friends with Christ, friends with those we welcome. In this together, seeking to live life faithfully and in the image of Christ. The table is so important, such an important place for us to learn these life lessons. And as we gather in just a few minutes at the table of the Lord, let us remember the extravagant grace that has been shown to us so that we may share it with others. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this meal that will be before us. We thank you for what it symbolizes, that inward and spiritual reality of the extravagance of your grace offered to us, offered to the world through us. Help us, God, to receive and to offer faithfully. For it's in the name of Christ, the living water and the bread of heaven, that we offer this prayer. Amen.
And now go forth in the grace of Jesus Christ, knowing the extravagance you have received at the table and being able and willing to welcome it to others. Go in grace. Go in the name of Christ. Amen.